We are continuing, we're in part three of our series uh, called If, Conditional Promises of God. And each week I'm going to go ahead and make sure that we understand when we're talking about conditional things with God, that if this, then this, but if not this, then not that. When we're talking about conditional things with God, we need to make sure that I'm communicating clearly because I've... I've preached long enough to know that it's pretty easy to miscommunicate, that you can say something and people will hear something different. And so what I want to make sure is that we understand that our God does not change. We are not serving a God that's moody, that we have to you know, tiptoe around and make sure we do things in a particular way because... You know, if we set him off, then he'll be mad for the next, you know, six months or something. It's not that at all. Our God does not change like shifting shadows. Our Lord is the same. Again, let's read Hebrews 13, 8. Um, We've been reading this each week, and we probably will the whole time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's very straightforward and very clear. Jesus loved you enough to die for you 2,000 years ago. He loves you today. And He'll love you tomorrow. And you can just rest in that. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to worry about that. You can even take that for granted. Now, don't make little of it. But understand, this is something that's in the bank. Jesus loves you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we don't need to worry about whether or not he's going to be in a bad mood. So that's that's very important to understand. Now, however, God does respond to us differently depending on what we do. If we do this, God will respond consistently. If we do something else, God will also respond consistently. And so... Depending on what we do, God will respond to us differently, and we individually have an essential role in taking hold of God's promises. We talked about uh, old, the Old Testament promise of land for the nation of Israel, and we talked about the New, New Testament promise of salvation. Let's read Romans ten nine. Now, you know that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all of humanity, right? Is everyone saved? No. Because there's an if involved with salvation. The offer is there because Jesus loves everyone and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the offer will always be there. If you take it, you will be saved. If you don't, you won't be. And so we need to understand how to take a hold of the offer. And here's Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you confess with your mouth, if you are willing to identify yourself as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, as someone who believes in the Lord, if you are willing to confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that what he said is true, that he was who he said he was, that he rose from the grave and the power uh, of death had nothing on him, if you believe that, then you will be saved. And so we need to grab hold of that. And then last week we talked about, okay, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Isn't it important to know what we're saved from? It's very, very significant because 
a lot of people don't realize that they need to be saved from anything. They think they're perfectly fine and everything's going to be okay and they're basically a good person, so eh, you know, nothing to worry about. Well, we talked about we need to be saved from the consequences of our past sins. Everybody's pretty familiar with that. The, the wages of sin is death. There is the wrath of God coming upon all who have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And so the wrath of God comes upon those who have sinned. And so we're in trouble because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, Jesus has taken that penalty of death upon himself for each one of us. So his shedding of his blood on the cross is for the forgiveness of our sins. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that wage so that we could be set free from our past sins and not have to worry about the wrath of God. Then we talked about two other ways that we're set free from sin. And this is important stuff. If you weren't here last week, go uh, to the website and listen to the sermon uh, at goodhope.ag, you'll be able to find it. And the, uh, the other two ways that we're saved from sin, and, you know, this is a battle. The, being saved from our past sins, you know, that's easy. You just ask for forgiveness and it's done. These other two you have to fight for. And it takes time. There's being saved from other people's sins. You know, so many people are affected and changed and molded by what someone has done to them or the environments that they grew up in or the, you know, this is just a cruel world and it changes you. And it can change you in the wrong ways. Instead of going into wisdom, you can go into uh, cynicism or you can go into bitterness or all these sorts of things. And we can be molded and shaped by other people's sins. And we don't want to be molded and shaped by other people's sins. I refuse to let somebody else's evil mistake make me who I am. I will not submit to that. So we have to be set free from other people's sins. That's a battle. And it starts with forgiveness, and I explained all that last week. And then we are also set free from our future sins. We don't have to be condemned to living the same mistakes, making the, the same things fall apart in our lives for the rest of time. We can actually get better. Now, I don't expect anybody in here to be perfect, <laughs> but we can be getting better. We can be conquering this thing. You conquer that, guess what? There's another thing. Conquer that, now there's another thing. We can be getting better. And that is something we actually can grab hold of. And so we want to be doing that. And again, that's a process. We fight for that. It doesn't just magically happen. Um, It's not something that's, uh, again, Forgiveness of past sins. It's easy to be perfectly forgiven. Just ask and it's done. But to be walking in righteousness is a battle. That's a fight. And we have to keep fighting the good fight. This week, we're going to talk about Cain's crossroads. Cain's crossroads. So let's pray and we'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, bless our time. Lord, each one of us is dealing with different things. We've got different stuff going on. And, and so, Lord, I know that you can touch us by your spirit with what we need, each one of us individually. 
So, Lord, I ask you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Cain's crossroads. Adam and Eve were the first two human beings, but they were not born. They were made by God. A little bit different scenario for each one of them, but neither of them were born. Then, Adam and Eve started to have kids. And uh, there was Cain and there was Abel, two boys. So Eve had two boys. And uh, they didn't always get along. I don't know if I've got three boys. They don't always get along. Uh, They do pretty good. But, uh, you know, I had a brother. I still have a brother. But when I was a kid, (laughs) I had a brother growing up that uh, we we had our rivalries and our difficulties, and it was all very normal stuff. Cain and Abel had sort of a rough relationship. They did different things, uh, and then the time came to offer... Uh, some sacrifices to God. And Abel brought good sacrifice. He did the right thing. Cain brought a bad sacrifice. And what happened was, is God, being just, looked on Abel's sacrifice and said, nice work, good job. Looked at Cain's sacrifice and said, not good enough. That ain't going to cut it. And so Cain was mad. He was upset. And he put his anger in the wrong direction. You know how uh, if you do something wrong, sometimes it makes you mad at someone else when you should be looking at yourself and fixing yourself? That's what happened with Cain. Instead of thinking to himself, well, I... Did, uh, you know, I did a bad offering. I guess I should do a good offering. Instead of thinking that, he thought, I hate Abel. I hate that guy. God likes him. God doesn't like me. And he was super jealous and super angry about it. And so let's, then God knew that something powerful was going on in Cain's heart. And so God calls a meeting with Cain. Isn't this amazing stuff? So God talks to Cain. Let's see what happens here. Genesis 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This is the first if in the Bible. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, there's the second if, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So, God shows up. He says, Cain, you're angry. Why are you angry? If you do the right thing, it's going to work out for you. If you don't do the right thing, though, there could be trouble. You've got to master this. You have to, you have to win this battle. And so, have you ever had counsel from God that didn't have the impact that maybe it should have? Let's look and see how Cain responds to this. Verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, 
Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So God intervened, tried to help Cain figure this out. Cain didn't get it, stayed angry at Abel, angry enough to kill him, and he kills Abel. And the thing that breaks my heart with this story is thinking about Eve. Thinking about the mother of the first two boys ever to live on this planet. And one day, she's got two sons. And the next day, Abel, her boy, is dead. And Cain, her boy, is a murderer. That's a rough day for Eve. Sin was very destructive in Adam and Eve's family. This was a huge crossroads for Cain. He went the wrong way and he reaped destruction for his family. Let's go back to verse 7. Let's look at those ifs. And let me ask you um, this question. I wonder if these two ifs still apply today. They applied to Cain thousands of years ago. Do they apply to us today? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Is that true? We serve a God that, again, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God was saying to Cain is, you're all upset because you've been rejected, because your offering wasn't good enough and you were reprimanded for it, and now you're all mad because you're not good enough, and you can be. Just do the right thing. Now, for us, it's even easier than it was for Cain. Because, you know, we don't even have to stand on our own righteousness. It's not even, if we do what is right, we'll be accepted. It's, all we have to do is identify with Christ's righteousness. A righteousness that's not our own. We just have to accept His righteousness and be clothed in that, and then we'll be accepted. We don't even have to be good enough ourselves. How much easier is that? So here's the deal. This applies to us, and it's even easier. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? God was saying to Cain, you can be accepted. It's easy for you. It's right here, ready for you to have have it. Just take it. Just do what's right. Just offer the right sacrifice. Mission accomplished. There are so many people who are not at peace with who they are. And let me tell you, there is nothing Nothing stopping you from being accepted by God fully and completely except maybe you don't see how to do it. And all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and be clothed in Christ's righteousness and then you're good. It's really simple. Really, really simple. So, praise God for that. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? That's true for us. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So uh, 
If you don't do what's right, it will lead into problems. Sin is crouching at your door. What an amazing word picture that God gives to Cain. It, to me, it, it's like a big cat, you know, crouching, ready to pounce, would sink those claws in and get a big bite in your neck. You know, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to take you, but you must master it. Isn't it interesting that God puts this on Cain? Hey, Cain, you can do what's right or you can do what's wrong. Sin wants to take you and cause all kinds of problems for you and your family, but you need to master it. I'll see you later. And God leaves, and Cain goes gets his brother. God didn't stay. And Hey, now, 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 boys. Cain, you get over there. Abel, you get over there. Hey, Cain, here's the deal. If you do this, it's going to go good. If you do that, it's going to go bad. All right, I'm backing away. And God backed away and let Cain kill Abel. But isn't that how it goes today too? There's all this yuck and mess going on in this world and everybody, you know, you know what I mean? It's just God gives us the guidance. He tells us how to do it and then says, this is on you now. You do it and lets us do it. And then we reap the consequences of it. And we reap the consequences of what other people did. That's true for us, too. Now, I wonder why Cain didn't just do the right thing. You ever wonder about that? Why didn't he just go, yeah, I should bring the right offering. I guess I'll do that. It would have been way better off for Cain, right? His life would have been way better if he had just brought the right offering. Um, But he didn't. And then he reaps the personal consequences of it as well, as well as the destruction to his family. What messed it up for Cain? Now, I don't believe Cain was just an evil person. Uh, But I'm a nice guy, so I think positive things about people. I don't think Cain was just evil. I think he got caught up in something. I think he couldn't see the way out. Have you ever gotten caught up in something and you couldn't see the way out and then you did something stupid? Oh man, isn't that the human condition? So, what happened to Cain? I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't say, but let me offer a couple of guesses. I believe it's possible that he heard God say, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted, but he didn't really believe it. He thought, God just doesn't like me. God likes Abel. God doesn't like me. And there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe he didn't believe the first if. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? What if he thought, yeah, I know how this goes. I brought the best I could. You didn't like it. If I do that again, you won't like that. You're probably not going to like me. There's nothing I can do. And he might have felt trapped because he didn't believe that God would really accept him. But that, of course, would be a lie. Do people believe that lie today? They do. The truth is, if you are clothed in Christ, you'll be accepted. 
You might think, well, but I've done this, I've done that, this is me, and oh, but God may never love me. God loves you. You will be accepted. That's it. Believe that. How about, how about this? So maybe Cain didn't believe God would actually accept him. Maybe this one. Maybe Cain thought he couldn't actually do what's right. He looked at himself and thought, I don't have it in me. I don't think I can succeed. Maybe he believed that lie. That's a lie. People believe that today. God said to Cain, you must master it. You do it. You can do it. Now if God thought enough of Cain to say, you must master it. This is your job and you can do it. If he thought that, could Cain have mastered it? I'm sure he could have. How about for us? Can we master these things that own us, that push us? Sure. Absolutely. Cain couldn't see it. He believed the lie that he couldn't succeed. And so he let sin in, and he let that envy grow, and he killed his brother. So if we're going to take a, Cain wasn't evil, he got caught up in something, then here's the deal. If he couldn't see the way out, even though there was a way out, then Cain had a faith problem. If he couldn't see the way out, even though there was a way out, it's a faith problem. Have you ever been in a situation where there was a way out, but you couldn't see it? I think we're all in that situation. We've all been in that, and we're all in that to one degree or another right now. There are things we need to succeed at, and maybe we can see it, maybe we can't. If you can't see the solution, what do you do? You walk by faith. You put one foot in front of the other, doing what's right according to the commands of God. You follow in the footsteps of Christ. You walk by faith. You do what God shows you to do, what he tells you to do in the scriptures, and then we get somewhere. Cain did not walk by faith because he didn't think that was going to work. So that's a faith problem. Now, if we need more faith, if we need to win the battle at our crossroads like Cain did, then we're going to need some power from God. Let me ask you, before we read this next scripture... Let me ask you this question. Do you believe the Bible is true? You're in church. The answer is yes. <laughs> Are there things you read in the Bible and you go, man, look at that. We're going to read one of those things, the words of Jesus, that I could sit and stare at for a week and just sort of be amazed and mesmerized by this particular verse. And we're going to talk about this uh, in greater depth when I get back from Jamaica. But it's a, it's a very important thing. Let's put that verse up there, Matthew 
uh, 21, 22. Jesus says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Do you believe the Bible is true? If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, uh, I don't like just pretending I understand something or pretending I believe something. I want to actually figure out what's going on and grab a hold of it because I look at this verse and I think, really? (laughs) I mean, come on. What? So let's, let's divide this into three pieces because I think there's the, okay, I get that, and the, well, I sure hope so, and the no way categories with regards to this particular verse. So um, have you ever been on a diet? You want to eat the right food. You, it's the you know, first week of January, you're like, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm never going to eat a cupcake ever again for the rest of my life. And then there's a cupcake. And you're looking at the cupcake. Now, if you believe that you don't have to eat that cupcake, that you have power over that cupcake, that it does not control you, then you can laugh at the cupcake and say, I will not eat you. I know you're mocking me, but who are you to me? And you can laugh at the cupcake. And you can receive the proper diet because you believe that the cupcake doesn't own you. But if you're not sure, and you think maybe you have to eat the cupcake... And you really, really want to eat the cupcake. And you're like, I think, yeah, I think I have to eat it. I don't, I don't have the willpower. I can't do it. Then, you, then you're going to end up eating the cupcake. But if you believed you didn't have to, the cupcake wouldn't have any power over you whatsoever. So with stuff like that, this is true. You know, if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Lord, give me the power to not eat the cupcake. And then when you believe it, the cupcake doesn't own you again. And you're free. And so... In situations like that, scenarios like that, this is very easy to understand. How about physical healing? Lord, I want to be healed. Lord, I want my mom to be healed. Lord, I believe. Haven't we seen both? I mean, like, I believe for healing every time. However, I've seen healing and I've seen not healing. I'm believing for healing in the future every time. I'm not going to let not healing make me think, well, I guess God doesn't heal. I've seen enough healings. I've seen enough of the power of God to think, okay, how can, how can we increase our percentages and get greater healing, greater power from God? So you've got things like that where maybe you're a little insecure. Like, yeah, I know it says, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, I'm, I'm praying for this physical healing, but I'm a little insecure about it. Is that just real? And then, how about, so that's the the maybe. How about this one? I really want to be able to fly. You know, like Superman. And so I'm going to believe that I can fly. And I'm going to pray. And it says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So I'm going to believe to be able to fly. You know, 
How's that going to go? That's nice enthusiasm, but that person's going to be disappointed, right? So we know that there's some stuff that's just ridiculous. There's some stuff maybe we don't have a handle on. And there's stuff that we know this is true for. So getting a grip on how to understand these types of verses so that we can get the fullness of it. Because I tell you, there are answers, there are solutions, there's power from God that we don't see. And if we don't see it, we'll be just like Cain, we'll wander into things that are destructive instead of grabbing hold of the power of God to conquer. And we don't want to be there. And one of the things that helps us understand this verse just a little bit is the word receive. When we read this verse, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, I think we have a very passive stance in understanding receiving things from God. Like we just sort of sit there. And then either God does it or he doesn't. There's different Greek words that are translated in this way. And that word receive There's like super passive ones that are the, you know, I'm just here and outside forces do things to me and I receive the things from those outside forces. And then there's very aggressive ones like to seize, you know, like you're going to just, you're going to get it. This word receive is kind of like halfway in between. It's not passive, but it's not hyper aggressive either. In some places, it's, translated take if you believe you will take whatever you ask for in prayer would be a very accurate translation let's read a a a verse a scripture verse where this same greek word is used matthew 10 38 matthew 10 38 jesus says anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me This take his cross is the same word that's translated receive in Matthew 21. So you receive your cross, but don't you have to take it up? So there's part of it that we have to go get it. We have to take it. And so when we start to understand that, it gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what this if is. If you believe, you will receive. If you believe, you will have the ability to take whatever you ask for in prayer. And here's another. I'm going to invite the, uh, the ushers and the prayer teams up. Everybody come up. It's communion uh, Sunday, first weekend of the month, so we take communion. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up and the ushers, and you can go ahead and start handing out the... Uh, communion elements but in Matthew and I'm using all the all the scriptures from Matthew just because if Matthew uses the same Greek word it's the same guy using the same Greek word so we can see some consistency with that so prayer teams excellent oh we're just doing fantastically well another place where this same Greek word of If you believe, you will receive, is in Matthew 26, starting in verse 26, our communion scripture. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. That's the same word. 
Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. Take and eat. It's the same receive. So you can see Jesus took the bread and he offers it to the disciples. And he says, take it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Jesus offers something and he says, take it. That's receive. We have to take it. Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, again, same word, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And the right we need to do is just ask for forgiveness because Jesus has paid the price. Our forgiveness is there and we can be solid and strong having absolutely no fear that we won't be accepted by God. You know, I want everyone to understand you don't need to have any concern as to whether or not God will accept you. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? The blood of Christ was shed so that you would be accepted by God. Don't be afraid and think that won't work. It's true. And you can have peace in your heart knowing that whatever in the world else goes wrong, God loves you because you're in His will by receiving the forgiveness that was offered.